On this episode, you will learn three year-end tax mistakes to avoid, the problem with S-Corps in December, and finally, the difference between tax preparers and tax advisors. As always, if this episode helped you or brings you value, please do me a favor and share with a friend. Thank you and enjoy the show. Welcome to Build Your Wealth Muscle, a podcast dedicated to helping fitness entrepreneurs build wealth by saving taxes and growing their money. Each episode will break down different strategies in the areas of business, tax, and retirement planning specifically for your coaching business. Disclaimer, the topics covered in this podcast are for educational purposes only. This is not advice for your specific situation. Please consult a qualified financial or tax professional before making any changes to your financial or tax situation. Now here's your host, certified financial planner and tax advisor, Pat Darby. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Build Your Wealth Muscle. If this is your first time joining us, I want to remind you there's two formats that we utilize. Uh, The first one is like this one. It's a solo episode where we can go really deep on a specific topic of finance, tax, wealth management, risk planning, anything that's specific to building or protecting your wealth, we can go deep with the action items for you. The other type of episode is where we bring on a guest and they could be a colleague of yours and they can, or they're talking about different things that they've done that were successful or challenges that they've overcome, or they're just people that help support your community in sales, marketing, whatever the case may be. But today's episode is a solo, as you saw from the the headline that you clicked on. We're going to go into three mistakes to avoid at the end of the year, specifically tax related, but they're general finance and tax things. But these are mistakes that you want to avoid. So let's dive right into it. I've said, I think I say it each solo that I'm, I'm trying to keep these pretty brief, like under 30 minutes. I'm not too successful at doing so, but uh, I'm going to try again this, this week to do that for you. So number one, mistake to avoid. That's preemptively funding your Roth IRA before you know what your income is. Like I love the Roth IRA. They're pretty, so for those, I'll give quick background. For those who are unfamiliar with the Roth IRA, when you compare it to the traditional IRA, traditional IRAs are what people call pre-tax. So they get a tax deduction and then you put the money in. A Roth IRA is what's called post-tax. So it has not, so you pay the tax and then you put the money in and then it's not taxed again. So a lot of people love those in that camp. If you are in the appropriate tax bracket or there's a specific tax strategy there, you put the money in the Roth and then it could go to the moon and you don't pay taxes again. So, but the problem is they're really awesome and they have income limits to them. And it's very complex and it's a pain in the butt if you really need to pull that money out because you put the money in and you didn't qualify. So here's what qualification means. In 2022, as I'm recording this, if you are single and you are making over $120,000, I'm sorry, if you're single making over over 140, can't remember if I said 120 there, 140, you cannot participate, you cannot contribute to a Roth IRA. If you are married and you're making over $208,000 in 2022, you cannot contribute directly to a Roth IRA. Now, I say specifically that you can't contribute directly. 
And that's because there's a very important loophole that you can still take advantage of. Everybody listening can do a Roth IRA in 2022. Well, I shouldn't say everybody because there's going to be someone with some specific situation, but most people can do this because of what's called the backdoor Roth strategy. Basically, I'll just give, I think I've done episodes on this, but basically what you're doing is moving that money into a regular IRA, then not taking the tax deduction and converting it to the Roth. So the details of that, if you want to either DM me uh, at the Pat Darby on Instagram and I can explain it to you, or I believe I don't have it in front of me, but I've done episodes on the backdoor Roth. So don't listen to any fun, lazy financial advisor who tells you that you can't do it, you make too much money because they don't want to do the loophole for you. Either they don't know about it or they just don't want to take the extra steps because it is like any loophole, you're jumping through some hoops to get it to work. But if you are going directly into the Roth and you made too much money, you're doing it wrong and you have to unwind that. And so you that's a mistake that people might make. It's like, oh, I heard Roth IRAs are great. And the first part I would agree with, but you have to make sure that you're income appropriate to determine the way that you get into it. You go the regular way if, if you don't make that much money or if you're over those limits, you got to go the back door way. You can't sort of split the difference and just say, well, I can do this. That's wrong. And you'll get penalized and it's it needs to be undone if you did. So that's the first mistake. Don't use the Roth unless you can. Otherwise, you got to do the back door. So this is also why it's really important for you business owners listening that you have to track your numbers during the year. I mean, there's a ton of strategies that come into play there. And quite frankly, you need to make business decisions based on where your profit is. So you need to know these numbers. But when this sort of thing, when you're like, oh, let's build wealth in these awesome post-tax vehicles that will never pay tax again, you want to make sure you're doing it properly. That's the first one. Second one is starting an S-corp at the end of the year. Now, here's what I mean by that. So I talk about a lot. S-corps are awesome for business owners that make over a certain amount of profit. In general, that profit... Now, I'm not saying revenue, profit. It's going to start to make sense around $50,000, $60,000 of profit. So you're going to want to sit down with your tax advisor and have this conversation if you if you are pretty confident that you're at that level or vastly exceeding it. I use the term tax advisor in my social media. And I should probably some, explain that more sometimes on social media. There's not enough time in like a 60-second reel or something like that. But... A tax advisor, and I use that term deliberately because not all accountants are tax advisors. In fact, most are not. When you sit down with your accountant in March or April of next year, many of them are just recording history. And they're tax experts. I'm not taking anything away from them. But they typically are looking at making sure you're compliant with the IRS, that they've done all the record keeping, and they are vital for you personally and your business at recording what happened in 2022 and obviously each subsequent year. But they aren't necessarily advising you on the future. So they're not necessarily sitting down with you at this time of year as I'm recording this of November of 2022, which is the last couple of months of the year. If you're tax strategist or tax advising, this is the busy season because this is when you have a pretty good idea of what someone's income is for the year what their tax liability is for the year. And then you can start talking about the different strategies that 
they do and don't phase into and phase out of like, again, the, what we just talked about a couple of minutes ago with the Roth IRA as a tax advisor, I couldn't know if I could recommend a Roth IRA to somebody if I had no idea what their income was for the year. So that's why you're doing these strategies and these topics at the end of the year. But the challenge is I've people hear the S corp and like, Hey, that's a tax saving strategy. And it is, but you need to understand the risk reward. Meaning if you go ahead and you're like, Hey, I'm, I'm making really good profits. I'm a sole proprietorship. I'm going to grab an LLC. I'm going to grab the S election immediately. And as I'm recording this again, it's November. So you might do that and then saying, okay, starting December 1st, I'm an S corp. Well, unfortunately for you, the person who might've given you that advice, or maybe you just saw that on the internet and just did it on your own. The problem with that advice is the month of December may not save you much money tax wise. However, the administrative costs are going to begin in the current year. So some of those administrative costs is you're going to have to have a W-2 for the year. You're going to have to have, or at least for that final quarter, whether that's just four weeks, you'll have to have a payroll provider give you a W-2 for that year. And you're going to have to file the 1120S, which is the business tax return required for S-Corps. And this is a problem for a couple of reasons, because most accountants are going to charge you about $1,000 or $2,000 for that. Just that business return. This is not talking about what they typically charge you for your personal return. And so, and the IRS is expecting that return. So if you just went on to one of these legal sites that can do all this stuff for you, they're likely not having this conversation with you. And I'm not throwing them under the bus. I'm just like, they're probably like, that's their business model. Like you tell them what you want and they do it and they can potentially be uh, cost reasonable because they're not necessarily giving you advice. They're just doing what you tell them to do, which for some people is great. And for other people, it might cause them to make mistakes. And so why this is, a, I'm saying this is one of the top three mistakes to avoid is because in that month, you're not going to save that much taxes most likely. And you likely won't save the taxes compared to the, that administrative cost of that tax return, the administrative cost for your payroll provider, which for just a couple of months is not really going to be that much, but it, it's part of it. And then more importantly, if you don't realize this requirement exists you and you do not file that S-Corp return for whatever reason, or you're late, the IRS hits you in 2022 or 20, and 2021, it's $210 per month that you're late. Late meaning March, because business returns like the S Corp are due one month before your personal. So as I'm recording this, it's going to be March. Obviously you can file extensions, but if you did this really quick with potentially no tax advisor giving guidance here, you may not even know you have to file that return. So it may end up being late because you might've just filed it in April when you sat down with your accountant and they said, Oh, by the way, I see you have an S Corp here. Let's file that too. And now you're a month late. That in theory costs you another $210. So Unfortunately, I see that because the people who are helping you form LLCs and S-Corps and things like that, oftentimes they're just websites that are just doing what you ask. So if you are hearing about an S-Corp now or recently and you want to do it, I am 
all for them. And But what you should be talking to your tax advisor or your accountant or whoever is giving you your tax advice, outside of just filing your taxes, but giving you actually strategic advice, get the ball rolling, but make sure when you fill out that, those forms to the IRS, you start at January 1st because you can, you can put on there when you want it to start. So put, in my opinion, I wouldn't do it at the end of the year. I would aim for January 1st. That way you get all, you don't have to file your return then until 2024 for 2023. So it gives you the full year to get all the tax savings and all the good stuff about an S corp without immediately getting hit with all the downside, which is the administrative costs. So don't make that mistake of doing that in 2022 for like the last few weeks of the year. So I, I would just make sure, and if you know anyone who's, who's doing this or recommending it, just bring those questions up to them because that's unfortunately talked about a lot that you need to form S corps and S corps aren't for everybody. Again, if you're not made, if you're just starting out you, and you're not making enough revenue and profit, then an S corp doesn't make sense to you. And if you are in an S corp, please, please, please make sure you have wages. It is a huge audit flag to jump. Cause another reason that's cool to get into an S corp is it lowers your audit risk. However, if you don't, if you don't take wages inside of an S corp, that's a huge red flag to the IRS to audit you because inside of an S corp, the way they work for anyone listening, who's like, what the hell's an S corp? You're basically an employee of your own business. So, as an employee of your own business, you have to pay yourself a reasonable compensation and you do that through a payroll provider. You jump, get on a W-2 and things like that. But if you're making $100,000 in profit and you're not paying yourself a wage, you are going to be alerting a lot of red flags for your account, especially if you're taking those as draws. Because in theory, if you're not taking any money out of the business, you don't necessarily have to. But realistically, most people are living off of the, the business and they're taking those draws, in which case you're triggering the requirement to have a W-2. So that's sort of part of it. Like S-Corps can trip people up because there's there's a few moving pieces, which is another reason why it's, it's better to start at the beginning of the year or as close to the beginning of the year as you could because there's a lot of things you can do. Now, let me make a caveat. You can do late elections in the S-Corps. So if you've been an LLC all year, and now you're just hearing about it, then potentially you qualify to do a late election and go back to January 1st of this current year, 2022. That's if you're already an LLC. If you're listening to this and you're a sole proprietor, you might be getting advice. Quick, get get into a sole, uh, a, an S-Corp or an LLC, then quickly elected as S-Corp, whatever the case may be. For you, you can only start it from when that new entity was just formed. So if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, that's perfect. Like my entity was just formed in mid-November. The earliest you could do is that date for all of 2022. So you're adding a lot of complexity to your tax life without a lot of tax reduction in the first year. So hopefully that was helpful and not confusing. And even if some of the details of the S Corp are confusing because you're just hearing about it or you you've known about it, but you don't know all the details, just take away that talk to a tax expert and say, does it make sense for me to do this right now or elect for January 1st of the, the upcoming year and specifically have that conversation. And hopefully they're going to give you the right advice and they're not just trying to tell you what to do and then bill you for these, 
for the, the tax returns that they're going to have to generate. But I'm going to go on the assumption that you're working with something ethical. So talk to that person and just say, hey, is it, does this make sense to me? Because you will incur a few thousand dollars, whether you started in January or December. So you might as well get get the full runway out of it, in my opinion. Okay, that was two. Here's number three. And the third one is is actually fairly broad, but it's critical. Do not avoid tax planning. A huge mistake people make is they think tax planning is early next year when they sit down with their accountant. That is wrong. This is why it's the third and arguably the most important tip or mistake to avoid is pushing your tax planning into January because tax planning season is November and December. Why? Because you need to know how much income you have. It's similar to what we talked about with the Roth IRA. You have to know how much income you have. You have to know ballpark on how much taxation you have. And then you want to have a big strategic conversation with your tax advisor about what what the tax liability would be, what strategies or strategies are available. But also take it one step further. I'm not sure if, if all tax advisors are doing this, but for myself, we do fractional CFO work because part of this process is forecasting next year. Because tax planning, and this is where we butt heads with the accountants. Like I'm an enrolled agent. A lot of the people who do not do tax planning, but do tax filing, they will butt heads against us because they're not doing this. They want to save you taxes this year, like in 2022. They want your tax bill to be as low as possible. And that's the misconception out there. It's tax planning, if done properly, is not about saving taxes this year. It's about saving taxes over a lifetime. And here's the best possible example of this. And you may or may not know Peter Thiel, and I'm hopefully not butchering his name or how to say his last name, but Peter Thiel was, maybe it was Thiel, but anyway, he was, if I'm not mistaken on this part, one of the original founders of PayPal. And after his exit, obviously he was a wealthy person. He was the original investor in Facebook. Now, he put $500,000 into Facebook, but how did he invest in Facebook? Through his Roth IRA. It's a whole separate issue about self-directing. You can buy investments in small businesses through your Roth IRA. You can buy real estate. You can buy commercial real estate. You can do a lot of cool stuff, cool investing inside your Roth IRA. But here's my point with Peter Thiel. He made his investment in Facebook in a tax-advantaged vehicle that once it's growing, it grows tax-free. As of the controversy a year ago, that $500,000 that he invested was worth $5 billion, and it was not going to see taxation again because of the rules of the Roth IRA. So if you were his accountant saying, Peter, what are you doing? Why are you going to put $500,000 in your Roth? You could do that in a traditional and, and again, let, ignore the contribution rules, but why would you put $500,000 into that? post-tax account, why don't you take a $500,000 tax deduction and use these pre-tax vehicles? Well, then in his case, you would have a $5 billion asset that's never paid taxes that he would have to pay full ordinary income tax rates at when he starts to liquidate, whereas that's not the case in a Roth. So for him, paying that $500,000 in taxation 
saved him a tremendous amount of taxes over the lifetime of his tax bill. And that's the goal. Now, that was in a hindsight hypothetical. Well, not it's not a hypothetical for him. That for you and I, that would be like a hypothetical going forward because we don't know what the future tax rates will be. We don't know what the rate of returns are going to be inside of your investment vehicles. But that's the type of strategy that we're looking at is that we're trying to save you taxes over a lifetime. So accountants who are laser focused on what happened this year. And again, they're critical. I'm not throwing them under the bus, but this is why I will get resistance sometimes from accountants that are not on my team that work with my clients because they're looking at this year and they say, why do we, we want to take this tax deduction this year? And I'm not going to bore you with the details why sometimes that's totally crazy. But, but that aside, that's why you want to be strategic about potentially sometimes you do want to pay more like in, Peter Thiel's example, again, I don't know its tax history, but likely when he was pushing that money into that account, he might have people being like, Peter, you're, you could do this and get a tax deduction instead. You're purposely paying more taxes. And, you know, hypothetically, he was like, yes, because I want to invest in aggressive investment opportunities inside of this account. And if they do what I hope they do, then I will avoid taxes on it. So, that's why it's really critical to sit down at the end of the year and start making these strategic decisions. So another thing like what sent me down that tangent was you want to also, when you're going over the tax strategy, look at next year because if you are having a good year this year, but you're on pace to have an explosive year next year, then that might be all the more reason to push some of those tax strategies that you were considering for this year into next year. Like people are talking about, you know, buying cars and doing this, but you may need some of those deductions next year. So it doesn't necessarily make sense to cram them all into this year to push you down a couple of brackets when you're on pace next year to jump up a couple of brackets. So there's a, a ton of strategies that you could do. Like you could prepay some of your expenses for 2023 this year. I and mean, again, I'm not going to go into the details of which ones you can and can't, but that's a strategy, you know, but you might, if someone's sitting down with you, like your accountant, someone saying, Hey, you should push this expense into 2022, push this expense into 2022. And that might sound like a really good idea, except if you're ignoring the idea that next year, maybe your business is going to double. And you could have really used those to sort of balance out the tax brackets over the years. So if I don't emphasize that, do not ignore the tax planning. And part of that, again, this one's a, a fairly comprehensive one. Oh, let me grab a quick drink. The other thing that's part of that is retirement planning. And that's similar to what we just talked about with Peter Thiel's massive Roth IRA. If you're looking to use retirement plans like 401ks, SEP IRAs, whatever, whatever you're recommended and you're on board with this. Again, this podcast isn't about picking the right one, but a lot of the ones that you want to use, especially if you don't have employees yet, they have a December 31st deadline, like the solo 401k. You have a December 31st deadline to do all the paperwork. Now, Realistically, you need to have everything done well before the 31st because most people aren't doing paperwork for you on New Year's Eve. But that's the deadline to have everything formed. Most of them, I shouldn't say most, in the solo 401k world, 
your contribution deadlines extend out depending on whether depending on whether you're an S corp or a sole proprietorship, you have well into the following year to actually put the money in, but you have to have the planning done now. So again, if you sit down with your accountant in March or April and, uh, and start having these conversations, the vast majority of the, the strategies have already shut the door on you. So the last thing I'll talk about when it comes to tax planning is what we talked about already. That's why I purposely been utilizing these examples in number one, and then now number three with Peter Thiel. We want to talk about the Roth. And here's the reason. I'm, I, I'm personally investment agnostic for my clients. I don't care what they invest in. I want them to invest in what is good for them and what they understand. And you can, you can hear those same concepts resonated by the best investors on the planet, like Warren Buffett, who's like, invest in your own education, invest in your business. Like the wealthiest people typically got that way through the growth of their business, things like that. So I don't care if you're investing in the stock market, if you're a real estate expert and you're investing in the real estate markets, or if you're investing in the growth of your own business, I don't care. I want you to be investing again, in your education, in your business, whatever it is, we, one of the assets we're building is by investing. And so I say that because I allow people or not, I shouldn't say allow, but I encourage people to go the self-directing route because if you do have a skill set, and maybe it's like Peter Thiel, he can find a company that he thinks is going to be the future Facebook and make an investment while they're young. That is a huge ROI for him. If you're that person in the fitness space and you can find a, a friend's company who needs some capital, but you're like, wow, they, they really have something over there. Your Roth IRA could make that contribute or could make that investment. And any of your uh, accounts could, it could be your 401k, it could be your traditional IRA, but I just keep using the Roth IRA as an example, because if you have a unique skill set that you can identify those opportunities, whatever industry they're in, Whatever, whatever asset class they're in, if you're confident that you're going to get quote unquote above average returns, it often makes sense to do those investments where you've already paid the taxes. Because if the returns are what you hope they will be, the taxes later, if it was a traditional IRA account, for example, would be enormous versus paying them now on the cash portion. And so I say that because if you're looking to do these types of investments, you're like, yeah, I'm really good at commercial real estate and I can get 20, uh, 20% return on my investment. Again, this is totally hypothetical. I'm not giving advice, but if that's the case, you would want to be like, Hey, well, how do I do this with my Roth instead of my traditional IRA accounts? Well, one of the things that you have to do if you don't have the money in your Roth is potentially you have to do the conversions. So if you're excited about an investment, whatever it is, whatever asset class, and you want to get it to post-tax dollars, you have to consider doing conversions from your pre-tax accounts, like your traditional IRA, to your post-tax accounts, like your Roth IRA. And depending on how much you have, because you might have had a 401k that did really well at a previous job, or maybe you inherited from a, a spouse that might have passed away, whatever the case may be, if you have these tradi traditional dollars, you may have to can do these conversions over years because when you do a conversion, meaning you move it from the 
pre-tax account to your post-tax account, the taxes have to be paid in that year. So let's use $100,000 as an example in your traditional IRA pre-tax. You move that 100,000 to the Roth, you basically have two I two strat two options because the taxes, let's just say the taxes are I'm going to say 40% just because depending on your state and you could be already in the top brackets and that makes that makes the math pretty simple too. So you have $100,000 that you move in, you're moving over. It's going to trigger in this hypothetical $40,000 worth of taxes. So if you have 40,000 sitting in cash, then cool. You move 100,000 with now you have 100,000 in your Roth and then you send a check to the IRS for 40. But some people don't have that. They might be like, "Well, the account has to pay its own taxes." Okay. So in your scenario, you would be moving 100,000 over, but you would really only be moving 60 because you would withhold 40 and the, that would send the the check to the IRS. And now your Roth is starting at 60 in that in that hypothetical example. But you need to understand what the tax ramifications are going to be because if you have these ideas and you're like, oh, I've been listening to Pat or listening to people smarter than Pat. And like, I want to do this self-directing. Then you need to plan how you're going to get that money into the Roth because there's a lot of challenges getting the money in. But once it's in, if you've got investment ideas or investment expertise in a certain area, again, it's all called self-directing. And if you're with some of the big guys, they're not going to encourage this because that means the money will be leaving them and it'll be under your own control. So they'll lose out on assets and their management fees. But you have to decide on your Roth conversion strategy during the current year. And so these conversations are really important to have with your tax advisor when now, again, we it's all predicated on the profit of your business and the other income sources that you have as a person. Like it could be a W-2 from another job. It could be your spouse's W-2. It could be investment properties rolling cash in. It could be other sorts of investments rolling cash in. Whatever it is, you pull a tax advisor is pooling all of that information and getting an idea of where you sit total with taxation and tax liability. And then deciding, hey, if I also did, if I also did a Roth conversion, what will that do to my taxes? And what would this strategy do? Like, So these are, these are all the moving pieces that you have to put together. So my big takeaway is, if anything, do not avoid tax planning. Do not kick that into next year because if you're having this same exact conversation, let's just say, hypothetically, you have $200,000 in a traditional IRA and you want to do a deal, let's say it's commercial real estate, you want to do a deal for any $150,000 in your Roth. Well, if you wait till next year, you're going to have to do the whole $200,000 conversion in theory. Let's just say it was a $200,000 deal, just so I don't confuse anybody. You will need to do the whole conversion in 2023. Whereas if you sit down with your tax advisor now, they could say, oh, I see what you're trying to do. Let's do 100 in December and then 100 in January. And now you've rolled, you have an account sitting there in January with $200,000 in it, but you spread that $100,000 into two different tax years. So it's a critical step to have these conversations at the end of the year, because now you're forecasting your taxes. Because if you sit down with your accountant and ask him how to do it, he might say, well, I guess I'll just have to roll the, two, the whole 200 right now. And that might be your only choice at that point. But that's why I'm saying we potentially run into conflict with accountants who just like to try to save you as little as tax as possible or save you as much tax as possible in one given year. 
but that's not strategy. That's not forecasting for the future because then every given year, you're just using a handful of tax deduction. So I hope this has been helpful. Again, this is tax planning season. I can't emphasize that enough. There's so many strategies that I didn't even touch on here, but if you're working with a comprehensive tax advisor, this is what they're doing. Like we have over 110 different things that we check for our business owners. Like obviously people listening know I work mostly in the fitness space in terms of what our tax strategy is. Living here in Vegas, we're getting other types of online business owners that are working with us. And the strategies are very similar. Most people's businesses are very similar when it comes to the tax deductions, maybe a 5% difference. But we're going through over 110 different things that are checking the tax situation and tax loopholes, income shifting on your business side, on your personal side, looking at when you might sell an asset, matching losses, matching gains. This has been a tough year for people's, most people's asset classes in crypto, stock market, maybe starting to get felt a little more in the real estate side, but you want to have those strategic conversations now. So if your accountant is not reaching out to you, if they just do tax preparation and tax filing, that's cool. I'm not, in no way should you think about firing them because that is an important critical skill. It just means they don't do the tax planning and you need someone who does. Sometimes they do both, often they do not. And that's why for me, as a financial planner and a fractional CFO, the taxes are one of the biggest things that we're doing throughout the course of the year, because that is a lever that we can impact. Like we can't control the stock market, but we can control a lot of tax strategy. So hope this is helpful. We would really appreciate it. If you learned something, you want to give it a share or follow me on Instagram. It's at the Pat Darby. I love this stuff. I love nerding out on it. So if you ever have a question, feel free to DM me. <laughs> As I'm recording this, I don't have a huge Instagram following. So it's much easier for me to see the message and reply to it. So all right, guys, you have a great day. Thank you for joining us this week on Build Your Wealth Muscle. The links mentioned in this episode are available in the show notes. For video clips and more information on tax and retirement strategies for fitness entrepreneurs, please follow my Instagram at the Pat Darby. If you found value in this episode, please do us a favor and share with a friend. If you tag me, that'd be appreciated also. Lastly, for help implementing any of the topics discussed, please book a call. The link is also in the show notes. Thank you again for listening and have a great day.